thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to This Week in Wellness with Brett Hill. Real news, real health, real quick. Hi, I'm Brett Hill. And this week in wellness, researchers from the University of California, Berkeley, have uncovered a potential mechanism for the increased diabetes risk seen in those who do not get enough sleep. Beyond revealing a new mechanism, our results also show that these deep sleep brain waves could be used as a sensitive marker of someone's next day blood sugar levels, more so than traditional sleep metrics, said Vioma Shah, a researcher at the Walker's Center for Human Sleep Science and co-author of the study. Adding to the therapeutic relevance of this new discovery, the findings also suggest a novel, non-invasive tool, deep sleep brain waves, for mapping and predicting someone's blood sugar control, he went on to say. The researchers have shown that deep sleep brain waves at night are able to regulate the body's sensitivity to insulin, which in turn improves blood sugar control the next day. They went on to say that this is an exciting advance because sleep is a modifiable lifestyle factor that could now be used as part of a therapeutic and painless adjunct treatment for those with high blood sugar or type 2 diabetes. Scientists also noted an additional benefit besides the potential new mechanistic pathway. Beyond revealing a new mechanism, our results also show that these deep sleep brain waves could be used as a sensitive marker of somebody's next day blood sugar levels. This particular coupling of deep sleep brain waves was more predictive of glucose than an individual's sleep duration or sleep efficiency, said Raphael Vallet, a UC Berkeley postdoctoral fellow and also a co-author of the study. The researchers further showed that this deep sleep switch increased insulin sensitivity, allowing cells to absorb glucose from the bloodstream and preventing a deleterious blood sugar spike. The researchers said the research is particularly exciting, given the potential clinical significance years down the line. Diabetes treatments already on the market can sometimes be difficult for patients to adhere to. The same is true of recommended lifestyle changes, including different eating habits and regular exercise. Sleep, however, is largely a painless experience for most people, they said. As always, the links are in the show notes. And my opinion is that once again, we're seeing just the benefits of something as simple as sleep. And it's just a great reminder that, you know, I think a lot of the results we get, a lot of the benefits we can get in terms of our health, the vast majority of those come from just doing the simple things really, really well. You know, getting a good night's sleep, eating healthy, real foods, drinking water, moving, just doing the simple things well is often what gets us the best results. You know, it's tempting to look at all the latest research, all the latest advances, the latest gadgets, the latest medications, the latest, yeah, whatever, latest whatever, and think that there's some new shortcut, some new hack, you know, some new way of doing it better, faster, whatever. And the reality is that we keep coming back to this idea that actually, even though it's not as exciting, even though it's not as sexy, even though it maybe doesn't make us, you know, headline news, doing the simple things like sleep, eating well, moving well, thinking well is actually what gets you the best bang for your buck the best results often for the least amount of money and long-term results you know in terms of keeping you healthy over the long term not just a quick fix so you know insulin resistance is a massive massive issue in our society not just once it gets to the stage of diabetes but because we know even for pre-diabetics it can have an impact on a vast array of different chronic diseases as well. And so it's really important that we do have strategies to work with this. And I think, you know, I do think it is really important that we don't just 
throw the baby out with the bathwater and say that you know eating well and exercising is too hard so we need to find something else i think it's important we do some work to figure out how to make lifestyle habits more palatable and how to make them easier for people to make those kind of changes you know i think it's just too tempting to say that it's just too hard you know i think what we need to do is show people how to make small sustainable changes how to do it successfully how to you know using the process of you know sort of kaizen small steps of continual and never-ending improvement you know show people how to create wins in their life how to how to snowball those changes and those effects. And this is stuff I've talked about for years, you know, rather than trying to do crash courses and crash diets and crash, um, you know, fitness boot camps or whatever it may be that invariably end up failing and sending us back to where we started. We need to start showing people how to make lifestyle change more successfully. And I think that's true for sleep as well. You know, whilst the authors say that, you know, no one's going to mind getting a better night's sleep, no one finds getting to sleep hard. I think that's not true for many people in our society and there's a whole raft of reasons for that but a lot of that comes around sleep hygiene you know white light using gadgets late at night eating too late at night you know drinking too much coffee or alcohol you know there's a whole range of things that come into that in terms of sleep hygiene that i think we could better educate people about in order to help them get a better night's sleep rather than just saying hey go to bed earlier as if that's uh, just you know something that's easy to do and a habit that's easy to change when compared to you know diet and exercise perhaps so you know, I do think we need to work harder and invest more in teaching people how to make these kind of lifestyle changes. Once again, I know that they're not um, you know, commercially viable. You know, they don't have lobbyists picketing at uh, Parliament House uh, telling the government that they need to spend more money on prevention and they need to spend more money on lifestyle advice. But I think I can very confidently say that, you know, the money we do spend on those sort of things is the best investment we'll ever make. You know, the impacts that can have on our health and well-being on such a broad scale for such a broad variety of different issues um, and for, for such a broad variety of different outcomes uh, for such a cheap price. You know, really, when we're talking about eating healthy, moving getting a good night's sleep. You know, these are things that can be done with a minimal of expense when compared to expensive drugs and surgeries and interventions and those sort of things. You know, we spend a pitifully small amount of our budget on um, on prevention. And really most of what we do spend is actually on early detection rather than what I would determine true prevention. You know, not saying that early detection is a bad thing. It's certainly not. But it's not prevention either. It's, you know, it's catching it early, which is great. Uh, but preventing it would be even better. And, and that's where I think that investment in lifestyle, in helping research how to best get people to make lifestyle change, how to make the right lifestyle change, how to make lifestyle change in a way that's sustainable, you know, how we can educate people better so that they make better choices in terms of their lifestyle. You know, I'd love to see us be spending a hell of a lot more money, you know, probably 10 times more money than what we're spending currently in order to be able to do that. And it would still then be only a small fraction of our healthcare budget. So I think it's just another reminder that sleep is just so important, as is all of your lifestyle. So start thinking about your sleep hygiene. Think about what you can do to get yourself a good night's sleep. And your body and your brain and your blood sugar levels are all just going to be so much better for it. You've been listening to This Week in Wellness with Brett Hill. To continue the conversation, find us on Facebook and Instagram at This Week in Wellness. If you like this episode, I would absolutely love it if you would go right now to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. And for more information about this and other projects from me, head to dotsbrethill.com. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. 
Boston Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners. These podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.